0: A pop, yourself a beer, or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from Brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start with some talking And some movie clips some popcorn, fighting fantasy explorations And some groundless exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching And some blind unboxings Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the box come on contest and of course You know it's all about games
1: I said, slow down, let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG. Variety, podcast,
0: with the other just Hello everyone. I hope you're doing well. Today we have kind of a mixed bag. I have some call-ins that I respond to. One of which from Barney, a local ludus. We discuss about The power level characters, basically, and whether they should be immortal and unkillable or not. I have a review of the brand new Stardog's Referees Handbook. Looking forward to that. And I talk about a February challenge that was... It's kind of a mixed thing. It was put out initially by Shandy Andy, the Vanguard Treasure B-52. And then Josh Beckelheimer, the JB Publishing Podcast, kind of morphed it. And Ray Otis made a suggestion. So, essentially, it's going to be what is my favorite genre. So, let's get on with the show. One last minute piece of news before we go on to the calls Goblin's Henchman, who I'm sure you all know, has released a Kickstarter project for Zine Quest 2. It's called Face Folio. And basically, it's just headshots of different characters you can use for your characters or NPCs in your campaign. There's a link to it in the show notes. And I've also linked his um, podcast and blog. So check it out. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke but by your spouse, but the operator screaming is coming from inside the house.
2: Good morning, Jason, Lonely Adventurer here. Thank you very much for the shout out for the Glaive Kickstarter. I really appreciate that. I'm curious to get a look at Runehammer's 5E hack. Uh sounds interesting. I'm curious where it differs from something like uh Darker Dungeons. Uh was it Giffy Glyphs, Darker Dungeons, which is a, also a series of rules to or hacks to make five E a bit more like a, a deadly dungeon crawl. Uh, I'll have to pick it up and read it, I guess, so I can compare. Uh the Getting rid of the hated four-sided caltrops to be replaced by 12-sided d4s is amazing. I did a little internet hunting this morning. All I can find are like granite and speckled dice, and I didn't like that too much. I want to find something that's a little more uh, aesthetically pleasing to me. but, But
0: man, to use my favorite polyhedron and get rid of my least favorite sounds awesome. Hey Lonely Adventurer, thanks for the call. No problem at all. I am um, I'm happy to promote and back Glaive. I'm looking forward to the final product. I look forward to your review if you decide to do one of 5E Hardcore Mode by Runehammer Games. As far as the dice go, um those speckled dice are the ones I bought. As for other options in d4s with more than four sides, I have seen d8s that are marked 1 through 4 twice in the past. I didn't find any lately. And I just kind of, and in the past I've used a, you know, D8 or a D12 or a D20 and just rolled it and just divided by, you know, four or five or whatever, and, or not four, but you know what I'm saying, just divide it down, you know, divided by four to get the number. But, you know, I, Kenzer Co., I think it was Kenzer Co. who does Hackmaster, did a Kickstarter not too long ago with, I think, D12s with different numbers on them. I think it was one through four, and I think there was something else, too. But it was it was like a limited run of dice and they only had so many available. I think it was some kind of internal thing that they just did on Kickstarter as a way to, to do the marketing. I'm not sure because they have their own store, so I'm not sure why they had to do that. But but yeah, there are other options out there. You just kinda have to look. I grabbed the speckle ones just to have them because I had a itch to grab some multi-sided D4s. But I'm always on the lookout for interesting and weird specialty dice. By the way, if people don't know, lonely venture in addition to in the Glaive Kickstarter zine, also has a podcast. It's Camping with Owlbears. In fact, I believe he has a blog. I've never been to his blog. Bad me. But he definitely has a podcast, Camping with Owl Bears, and I'm pretty sure that came from his blog of the same name. But I'm not positive of that. But maybe he'll call back and correct me. Who knows?
1: Hey, Jason. It's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Okay, dude, you made my day. I actually knew what scatter dice were. Hallelujah! I've never even played that game. I'm just absorbing enough nerd trivia to know that's what those were called. And I have to tell you, I just got a thrill from knowing that. Oh my goodness. I'm such a nerd. Anyway, (laughs) just catching up on your show. I have been terrible about listening to podcasts. I enjoyed your unboxing. Those mini games sound like fun. I look forward to hearing what they're like if you play them. I've never done any solo gaming. I've talked before about doing it when Matt, uh, what was his last name? I don't remember, but his podcast was called Matt Random, and he did some solo gaming on this podcast, and I had a lot of fun listening to it. So, anyway, great hearing your show. Talk to you soon. Hi again, it's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I am debating watching Lock and Key, so I'm not going to listen to the very end of your episode. It seems like a really interesting premise. I wonder if I wouldn't like the comic book better, just because sometimes when I watch shows directed at teens, I can't stand how much they jack up the melodrama. So I don't know if this one does that or not. But, like, really, I would love to watch a show sometime that doesn't involve somebody's parent dying or some terrible tragedy and then you know some adventure ensues so I don't know maybe they'll make something like that one of these days anyway (laughs) I'm loving catching up on your show that was a fun unboxing I tell you I'm thinking a lot about solo gaming and wondering if I can squeeze some of that into my world you know do you have a recommendation for where I could start
0: hey Laren thanks for the calls I'm glad you remembered Scattered Dice, because it took me a while to remember it, <laughs> as you could probably tell the way I recorded that. Um, yeah, it's interesting, the knowledge we, we absorb just by listening to podcasts or consuming different media, right? Even if we've never actually done it. As far as, shoot, I even wrote notes down for your call. Okay, real quick, the mini games they do look like fun. I will review them as I go. So look forward to those in the future. Some of those mini game reviews, starting with Kung Fu Two Thousand One Hundred. Um, Matt Jackson is who you're trying to think of that did the solo gaming. Matt Jackson, who has the Matt Random podcast. As far as lock and key go and goes and mel- melodrama, yeah, there is. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, but the dad does die right before the show starts and right before the comic starts. And the way the different characters are reacting to the dad's death is part of the show. So that melodrama is there. That said, it wasn't that bad. It didn't, I didn't mind it. Maybe I'm just callous, or not callous, but I'm, you know, it doesn't bother me as much. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think check out Lock and Key. I think it was a pretty good watch. I enjoyed it. it. It's not too frightening. Like I say, it's not rapey. The comic has some rapey stuff in it, so just be aware of that. Um, like say the comic is much more a horror comic than the show is a horror show. Um But yeah, I, I think you'd enjoy you may enjoy it. I, I think it's worth watch. Um and the last thing as far as solo games, so I Liren and I don't live too far apart to be honest. And so what we've done really recommending solo games is tough because it really depends what kind of genres and what things people like how much space they have, whether they can leave a game set up, whether they like cards, whether they, you know, it, there, there's a lot that goes into what kind of solo game you may or may not like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take, a, I've got stacks and stacks of games, so I'm going to take, like, I don't know, ten or or a dozen solo games over to her and, and, and just let her borrow a bunch of them and see what she likes. So maybe here on this show or on her show, we'll report back on her exploration into the solar game hobby. So I'm looking forward to that. I suppose I should mention her podcast. It's Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. You can find it on Anchor. Hey
2: Barney, Jason here. Hey Jason, Barney here. Two thoughts on ICRPG in response to your extreme D&D review. I don't know how amazingly profound they are, but they've occurred to me, and I thought I'd send them to you. The first one is, if anyone thought that ICRPG was some kind of uh, twisted clone of D&D, the fact that we now have the Runehammer D&D hack shows how different icrpg is now of course that only really has any relevance to people in the kind of the doubting camp so that doesn't really include you and i um the second thing is, and I don't think this is unique to ICRPG and you can correct me on all of this much better but the fact that with Altered State we now have almost infinite uh, spawning possibilities for characters which I'm sure comes into other cyberpunk games surely we're now at a stage where we're dealing with either... Basically, immortal characters or mortal characters, and I know there are games that have players playing gods uh, or immortals. So, so I'm really not saying that that's new. The thought that has just come to me in this kind of whirling context is: Are we dealing with games where y- you either have immortal characters? Or games where you have mortal characters and anything in between that is kind of sitting on the fence. So my my point there is which one are we doing and to what end? Because because I don't think we should be Kind of pussy footing, putatively footing around one way or the other, pretending to be one thing or the other. Do one, do the other, and let the mechanics, the mechanisms, change accordingly. Please put me right if this is some kind of intellectual pratfall, or (coughs) so. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry. Or. I say,
0: um, provocative debate on. That was Barney of the Local Ludus Podcast, and he brings up some interesting points. So, just to address the first one really quickly, ICRPG had its genesis in Hankerin's Home Rules, House Rules 4 or 5e, but it quickly morphed into its own entity, and now it's its own unique rule system That's much separate from Five E, and and maybe an analogy here would be something like Rollmaster. So Rollmaster began initially as add-on charts that you could add to your Advanced Dungeons and Dragons game, and then it morphed into its own unique separate role, you know, unique system. And I'm not talking good today, am I? But you know, Rollmaster now is you know it's this d percentile system, and it's its own unique standalone RPG but it initially started as supplements for AD&D and ICRPG initially started as some house rule ideas but it quickly became its own system and ICRPG definitely is not just a 5e hack it's definitely its own you know it's its own entity so I think that's very astute of Barney to point that out and I think that is important as are our naysayers out there the second point is interesting, and I think it's a bigger topic than I can cover today in this on this podcast. But, but I'll outline kind of what I'm getting from what Barney's saying, and we'll see if he calls back and puts me straight that I'm misunderstanding him. So I guess where this starts, though, we're currently playing in an ICRPG Altered State game. Altered State is a cyberpunk setting, and in the cyberpunk st- setting most players consciousness is set in their stack and the stack is basically a microchip at the base of their skull or in their top of their spine and this is kind of like the tv show alter carbon right and i assume that the books i've never read alter carbon the novel or books but but so the idea is you know if a body's destroyed you could take that microchip put it in a different body and the, that consciousness can live on effectively being immortal And so does this make unkillable characters is kind of, I think, where Barney's going. And if the characters are unkillable, do we treat them differently than mortal characters? And does that change the kind of adventures that we we try to play in these games? Does it change the stakes? Does it change the kind of things we want to do? And I think that's a very interesting question. And again, I think it's a podcast on its own, or maybe a couple. But, so here's my answer to that. Altered state actually does address this and, and, and I'm sure Barney knows this but Altered State addresses this in that if your character takes too much damage in one shot then the stack, the thing that has her consciousness is destroyed so you can still be killed in Altered State you're not automatically immortal because you have the stack so that I think that's an important, um, you know, important thing to point out That definitely you're not guaranteed to survive just because you have these stacks. And I'm furiously going through my um, PDF here trying to (laughs) see the... the, Here it is. So, So mechanically, if a character ever hits negative 20 hit points, then the stack is destroyed as well as that character's body. So they can't be brought back. So if you hit negative 20 hit points in ICRPG, altered state, you cannot be resurrected. You can't be put into a different body. And while that sounds like, hey, negative 20 is a lot, it's really not being how base hit points characters have 10, and the weapons in this game, some of them do like, you know, 2D12, 6D6, you you know, they, they do crazy amounts of damage, 3D6. So, you can easily sustain negative 20 po- negative twenty points in this game. So, oh, I'm sorry. Double, yeah, 2d12. Anyway, point being, you could easily take, you could easily get to negative 20 points, and, you know, hit points. So, I don't think the characters are immortal in the game, but they are a little bit harder to kill. One thing that goes to that, though, and and this came out of our last game session, and and this is a fault of me as a GM. This is where I failed my players. But the the game has a mechanic that if a player is knocked out, if they go down to zero hit points, they can be revived by their players. And then there's also healing thing, you know, healing, not healing surges, but there's like healing syringes where you could like, you know, inject somebody, give them a hit point boost in the game. There are nano clots, you know, spray this nano form on any wound to heal 1d10 hit points. So what happened was Barney's character, had had a fumble with a grenade, and it kind of blew up right in front of him, and it killed him. And one of the other characters that was able to stabilize him, Barney made his, his save, to, so he was, did one hit point, basically, and then somebody hit him with the nano foam, the regenerative foam, and he was up to almost... I, he might have been back to full hit points, I don't know. And I think he only has 10 hit points, so it's not that much. But point being, he basically blew killed himself with a grenade and then was healed up within a couple of rounds, almost good as new. So, I think that's kind of where this is coming from. And really even though the rules allowed that, you know, and I'm not one to to stop player choice and I'm not one to say, "Oh, you can't do that." But probably that's something to look at in the future where it's not, you know, I don't know if that's the kind we want that in our game, and that's something to talk to the other players about. Whether they were okay with that, or whether we should have more lingering effects if you're killed in the game, whether you, or or if you're knocked out in the game, whether you can be brought back that quickly. so I'll kind of we'll talk about that before in the next session, and, and I'm happy to go with however the table feels on that, but i I think that's where he's going with that so and so we're talking immortal characters versus mortal characters, and to what end? and I think that goes to the kind of campaigns you would play. You'd play different kind of campaigns and different, like, say, you'd have different missions, different adventures for immortals than you would for characters that could potentially die. You know, Superman doesn't face the same threats as, well, let's not use Batman. Let's use, um, you know, let, let's use um, Sam Spade, right? Let's really change our power levels here. So... You would never put Superman... Well, I mean, you could put Superman in a Sam Spade adventure, or a Sam Spade mystery, but obviously it's going to be pretty easy, where Sam Spade couldn't handle, or it would be a lot harder for him to handle Superman, you know, to go against Brainiac, right? So definitely you're going to have a totally... You're going to set up totally different things, depending on the power level there. And, And I don't think Altered State characters are Superman level, by any means, but... I think it's an interesting question, and one we'll have to address in the future, and I would be interested to hear other people's thoughts on that, and, and I may revisit this you know, down the line, but I don't want to take any more time on this, because I want to get on to the review of Stardog's referee handbook. couple quick notes before we hit the review. These are things I forgot to mention during the review. So the creator, Michael, also has a podcast and a blog, The Lizard Man Diaries, and I'll link both those in the show notes. And the other thing I want to mention is the Stardog Player's Handbook. He actually had sent me a copy of that. So it wasn't a paid review, but I was given a free copy of that to review. This review I'm doing today, The Referee's Handbook, I bought it cop. I went to is when he released it I went to DriveThruRPG drive-through RPG and bought it with my own money based on the the strength of the campaign I've been playing with Michael and and on his previous products. So I just wanted to throw that out there that that this one actually I paid with my own coin. So anyhow, let's get on to it. Review time. So today we're going to review the Stardogs Referee's Handbook. A while back I reviewed the Stardogs Player's Handbook. Stardogs is a OSR-ish light rule system to play space scoundrels, and it's actually a really fun game. I've been playing in a game with the creator, Michael Rastin, and it, it's been great fun. So I'm happy to, to review and promote this product. So Michael's from Australia, and he's maybe better known. He has a Patreon account, and he's done the Infinigrad PDFs, which go with his Guild Dog settings. And... Froth over at ThoughtEater blog and podcast has pushed Michael's stuff in the past, so you, you possibly have heard of him there. So where the Dogs Player's Handbook basically gives you all the rules for the game, for the player and the GM, the Referee's Handbook, interesting enough, is actually fairly system-free. So I'm going to read the blurb from the first page here. The Dogs Referee's Handbook is a collection of tools, tables, and generators for referees running a science fiction tabletop role-playing campaign, while it has been written for use with Star Dogs, it is system neutral and can be used with any science fiction table rule set. So, even if you don't aren't you don't play Star Dogs, you're not interested in that. This referees' handbook might be of interest to you. So, let me give you a quick overview of the product. It's PDF only. It's currently four ninety nine on Drive Through RPG at U S. dollars. It's 62 pages long. Now, that 62 pages includes the cover. The first page has a how to use this book section. It has advice on running Star Dogs or other soft science fiction tabletop role-playing games. The second page is the table of contents. And the rest of the book are tables and random generators. There are... So you have the cover... You have the first two pages, there are three full page illustrations, and then there are 56 pages that have tables and reference charts on them. Now, some of those pages do have illustrations as well, but effectively, you're getting 56 pages of tables and ch- charts and random charts and things in here. So, it's pretty good value. And he has generators for you name it, from planet generators to NPC generators to alien species to dangerous sectors to random space encounters to nebulas, an impressive technology and advanced combat equipment generator, uh, space outposts, and it's got like mapping generators in here that give you like mapping, kind of like, you know, and, and they have you know, to make maps and the station generator gives you ways to help map out the station and it's all very well done. I I really like this book. I highly recommend it if you're at all interested in the genre and you're all interested in this kind of thing. Uh, If you like random generators at all, random tables, this is a great guide. The art is, is good. I actually really, I like the art in here a little better than the player's handbook. Um, but again it doesn't overpower the content most of this is just tables and charts so it's it's really good and and like you said it's system it's system neutral there are stat like the npc generator generator and the alien species generator do have like star dog stats but it's easy enough to convert that to whatever system you're using overall i think this is a win-win product and and i recommend folks check it out and there'll be links in the show notes on where you can find this product, and where you can find more information on Michael. So I hope this little mini-review was helpful, and we'll move on to the next segment. The idea of favorite genre of a game is interesting. So, to be honest, I don't know that I have a favorite genre that I would pick to play over any other. I'm a social gamer. I just enjoy playing with other people. So, you know, I'll play anything. I think there's enough fantasy out there and we're playing enough fantasy that even though that's what I play the most, it wouldn't be my favorite. So when I go to run something, I kind of like to run different things, even though I've run fantasy games, enjoyed running fantasy games in the past. I think maybe modern Or like, so I like genre films. I I like, um, you know, I like exploitation films, but I like horror films. And and I think horror films kind of fall in that urban fantasy thing, right? So urban fantasy doesn't have to be full-blown PC magic users, but having that weird supernatural threat in the modern world, to me, kind of. So regular horror, but in and of itself, not like slasher or serial killers, but, you know, Dracula falls to me as urban fantasy, right? The Mummy is urban fantasy because you've got that supernatural concept in the modern world. So I I, I guess maybe that would be my favorite genre when I look at all the media I consume, movies, TV, whatever, like Colchak the Night Stalker, urban fantasy, one of my favorite shows of all time. So, I guess if I had to pick one, maybe I'd pick that. But, honestly, I like them all. So, I guess that's not very helpful, huh? What's your favorite genre? Thank you for listening. If you want to reach me, you can leave me a voice message using the Anchor app or go to the Anchor website. I'll play it on the air and make you famous. You can also reach me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. I want to thank Ray Otis, who did the thumbnail art for this podcast, and TJ Drennan, who did all the music for this podcast. You can find both of them on Patreon. Who's on the
2: phone? Who's
0: on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about your spouse,
1: but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house.
0: What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? box? Well, the audience was pretty sure
1: he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I could see him dead. Bring on the go.
0: It's a dustbin and your by the tipper And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away, don't look away Don't look away, don't look away
1: Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck.